As, uh, as I said, tonight we're going to end our gathering with uh, a time of baptism. So that will be uh, very, very exciting for us as a church. It's always exciting because baptisms really display what God has done in, in people's lives. And so uh, my message tonight will be very brief um, compared to what I uh, normally would preach. And, uh, because here's the thing, baptisms really preach themselves, don't they? It's just such a beautiful picture of what God has done. And these guys are going to share uh, their testimony as well. But until then... Uh, we're going to look at some scripture, and we're going to honor moms-to-be and moms and uh, just learn from, from God's word together uh, until we get into our time of baptism. I want to say uh, I am just especially grateful for my own mother. I'm also very grateful for my wife. I've seen them just serve sacrificially on behalf of other people, namely our children and for my mom, myself, and my siblings. And so... Uh, Moms, you guys are just the rock stars. I'm telling you, you are incredible, and, and you've done some incredible things, and you work hard, and so praise God for you. Pray that you'd be honored tonight. I thought it'd be fun uh, tonight. I was looking at some statistics yesterday, so I thought it'd be fun to, to share with you some, some statistics that I've been uh, looking at, just very mind-blowing, and I thought these would be kind of fun uh, regarding mothers. Um, so first, I was looking yesterday at a statistic about the, uh, the mother with the most kids, this is a record, uh, the mother with the most kid, kids, her name is uh, Miss Vasilyev of Russia, and she had 69 children, 69 children uh, between 1725 and 1765, and so I was trying to figure out the math on that, I'm, I'm guessing there's a few sets of octuplets in there somewhere, but that is incredible, uh, 69 children, so uh, Wow. Amazing. Uh, also, the, the oldest mom record, I was looking at this one, the oldest mom record uh, goes to a lady named Rosanna Corte of Italy, and in 1994, she had a baby boy at 63 years old, and so that's kind of impressive there, so uh, wow, impressive. Uh, then, okay, this one is just, I, I can't even fathom, heaviest childbirth award goes to... Uh, Signora Fidele of Italy, in 1955, had a 22-pound, 8-ounce baby. <laughs> and so these Italians are impressive. I'm, this is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's amazing. Uh, okay, and now some statistics that are a little more close to home for the mothers here. Uh, they can relate to that. And so uh, if you're a mother here, um, hopefully you can relate to this a little bit and... Um, Others of you can just stand in awe of mothers, but uh, statistics say that on average, moms will do 330 loads of laundry per year, and I'm just picturing my little tiny wife walking up and down the stairs of my basement with this massive basket of clothes in this narrow hall, so 330 loads of laundry a year, that is about 5,300 articles of clothing every year, so that's a lot a lot of laundry, and that's uh, a lot of uh, electricity. <laughs> I'm thinking of my bills there. Uh, now, this one is unbelievable. So the average mother changes 7,349 diapers per child until they're potty trained. 7,349 diapers. And so I think as us fathers... It's, you know, we probably change about 10 of those. <laughs> and so moms, you're, you're impressive, incredible. Now, I was also reading on the, the average speed that it takes a mother to uh, do diapers. And I think the, the statistics actually said 
that dads are faster. We kind of make, you know, a game out of it or race, or we just do a very poor job, and mothers have that tender love and care. And so what ends up happening is we go fast, and then they leak out the side, and then mom has to come and do it right, and she does it slower. But the average mom takes two minutes and five seconds changing a diaper. So I was doing some math. You multiply that out over 7,300 diapers, that averages out to be three 40-hour work weeks per year. Three 40-hour work weeks of just diaper changing that a mom does in a year. And so, wow, just unbelievable. And so, moms, way to go. We honor you tonight, and uh, thank God for you. Uh, I, would, I was thinking about going into some other statistics about older kids, but I realized that majority of our mothers here are uh, mothers of young children, and so I just didn't want to cause you to quit parenting altogether. And so we'll just, we'll just stop there with the ones that you can relate with. But moms know this, you are appreciated and happy Mother's Day. Um, I, I, I'm sure we can all say that we've seen this in our lives. We've seen mothers serve sacrificially and, and live humbly. That's, that's the life of, of a mom, humbly serving her children. And they receive very little thanks and very little honor. Um, we do celebrate once a year mothers, and so we do want to honor you, but the truth is we live in a culture uh, that doesn't do such a a good job of of honoring uh, motherhood. Uh, Mothers have to fight against all kinds of things. Uh, One of the things that I've seen mothers have to fight against is just that, 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 that piece of our culture that just exalts, we just exalt youth. And so mothers have to really fight against that, oftentimes uh, feeling the pressure to pursue Uh, looking younger, acting younger, dressing younger, fighting the signs of of aging. And and it's unfortunate that many, many uh, wives and mothers have to feel the pressure and and maybe even the fear of of a husband leaving them for somebody younger um, because the, the pressures of our culture say we exalt youth and youth is what we all want to strive for. Even if we're 55 years old, we're trying to look like we're 21 years old. And so becoming a mother can often put yourself in a very vulnerable uh, position, at, I mean, really at so many levels. And so men, let me say this, that if you're not married, your standard of beauty is right here. And then if you are married, your standard of beauty is this coupled with your wife. She is perpetually your standard of beauty. And so don't be the one to put that pressure on her that the culture uh, puts on her. Also in our culture, we exalt uh, so many other things. We exalt uh, corporate success, and what that often does is, is we push women who maybe even want to just be a mom, just full on. That, they want their vocation to be a mom, and so we oftentimes will push them towards the corporate ladder as if motherhood, parenting, is not a worthy vocation. As we said uh, over the course of our last series, God at Work, that vocation means your calling, and, and we often will say with our culture that motherhood is not a, a worthy vocation. But what we do in our cultures, we exalt all kinds of things, and we don't realize that in exalting one thing, we're oftentimes um, pushing down, uh, putting a negative um, kind of connotation on something else. And oftentimes in our culture, we exalt many things that really push down mothers and make it feel as though it's not worthy. Uh, but mothers and expecting mothers and, and someday mothers, I want you to hear this, that that. Even though in our culture's economy, um, we don't put a lot of worth on motherhood, I want you to know that in God's economy, motherhood is honorable. 
in God's economy, motherhood is honorable because motherhood is unbelievably humble, servant, sacrificial kind of work. And so all of us, not just, just mothers, tonight we all need to hear this, that, that humble service is, is greatly valued by the Lord. It is honored by the Lord. And so let me show you that in Scripture. I want to start by just giving you a few passages of Scripture. You don't have to turn here because this isn't our primary text. But I want to show you in Scripture um, something that God repeats often. And when God says something uh, two times, three times, many times, what God is doing by his repetition is basically shouting to us saying, don't miss this. This is very important. And so I want to put a few uh, passages of Scripture up on the screen for you. And, And I want you to look at these and listen to the repetition here. In Matthew chapter 23, Verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, whoever exalts himself will be humble. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Here's some more repetition of that. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. And then James 4, 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Again, he does that at, at the proper time. And I, and I want the, the, the point to be very clear that our job, all of us, not just mothers, all of us, our job is to humble ourselves before the Lord and allow God to do his job. And his job is exaltation. Our job, humble ourselves, serve, give. His job is to do uh, the exaltation. But don't we get that backwards in our culture today? We, we, we feel as though I need to exalt myself. I need to put myself first. I need to let people know how great I am. I need to show people my accomplishments and my achievements. Otherwise, they'll never know. I need to, to, to really put myself in the center of the room. I, I need people to know that I'm kind of the priority. I need to look out for number one for me. But Matthew twenty three twelve, what does it say? It says that whoever exalts himself will be humbled. You will be humbled. But whoever says, I'll do my part. I'll humble myself. At the proper time, God will exalt him. The the greatest example of this, of course, is Jesus Christ himself. Uh, He he never calls us to do something that he himself didn't do. And so even God, God humbled himself and and serves us radically. And so I want to see an image of that in our scripture tonight. So turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, we'll look at verses 1 through 17. We have Bibles provided on the seats here, so if you need a Bible, just look around on one of these seats, and, and, and you can have that one to use. If you don't have a Bible of your very own uh, back at your house, please take this one home and keep it. It's our gift to you. But John chapter uh, 13, we'll look at verses 1 through 17. John 13, 1 through 17. This is a powerful story of the Lord Jesus. We'll start by reading verses 1 through 5. John 13, 1 through 5. says, Now before the, the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. See, Jesus is about to go to the cross. When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. 
And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Powerful stuff that Jesus does here. We'll stop there. I want to ask us tonight uh, three questions. Three questions for us tonight. Here's the first question. Do you see the greatness of Jesus' example? Do you see just how great this example that Jesus sets for us is? Here we have the, the uncreated, unfathomably holy, perfect, powerful, amazing, otherly, beyond us God. Here we have God who has come into earth and now he is on his knees washing the feet of rebellious men, of his creation. I mean, this is love. This is humble, sacrificial, even kind of foolish love. Verse 1, look what it says. Having loved his own, he knows that they are his children, they are his sheep. It says, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Understand that this is really a, a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do, that Jesus is going to love them to the very end, and, in, 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 and very, very soon here, he's going to give his life and die. And so understand that, that what Jesus is doing right here by washing feet, it doesn't even stop here. You think this amazing God has come from heaven all the way to the ground. Could he go any lower than washing the feet of dirty, rebellious men? Yes, he could go lower. He could go to the grave and die, and he gives his life for us. Verse 2, it says the devil already put it into Judas to betray him. So he's washing the feet of Judas Iscariot, the one who is going to sell Jesus out for chump change so that Jesus then goes to the cross. And we have this unprecedented example of Jesus that not only do I serve my own, but I also serve one who is going to sell me out, one who is going to stab me in the back. And so for, for us in the room, as you think about what it means to live humbly and to serve others sacrificially, this image of serving people who don't even like you, serving people that you don't even like, serving people that are just at odds with you, it is an incredible thing that, that Jesus has done because Jesus serves people and therefore we should serve people not based on who they are, but based on who God is. We serve people not based on them, but based on God served, he's a servant, therefore we serve. And so he's setting this example and and, and serving and washing the feet of of Judas. Verse 3 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, rose from supper, and then he washes their feet. And so this is saying that Jesus, he's completely aware of who he is. He knows where he came from. He knows that he is God over all things. And He's now in the form of a man. He knows all of that. He knows who he is. He knows his greatness and his glory. He knows where he's going. That he's going to reign supreme as king of kings and lord of lords. And yet he is on his knees and he is washing feet. Can you just imagine with me? Imagine the humility that it takes for God to do that. And I want us to see the greatness of the example of of Jesus here, that he is washing the feet of, of these men who their hearts are dirty and physically they're dirty, wearing sandals, walking everywhere, just pretty disgusting uh, work. And I, and I just want you to see just how incredible it is that God of the heavens is now on his knees washing uh, the feet 
of his disciples, the lowest of the low place that he could put himself in that moment. And he's doing it from the heights of the heavens to his knees, serving these guys. I want you to understand that this is, this is love. That I love you, and I want to serve you, and I want to I care for you, and I want to give sacrificially to you, even when you don't give me what I want from you. This is humility, service, and love, and mothers, I think you can relate with that. When your kids don't respond the way you want them to, it doesn't mean you give up and bail on them, but you keep serving, don't you? You keep serving, and that's what, what Jesus does, and that's what we all should be doing. We, we serve. And I love the fact that he serves to the point of death. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, is a, is a, is a verse of Jesus that we quote here a lot. Jesus says, the Son of Man, that's his favorite name for himself. He says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. He came to serve. And it says, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he didn't just serve on the earth. He served to the ultimate end. He served to, to give his life as a ransom. That means that, that we're captive to Satan's sin and, and death and death eternally. But Jesus says, I'll pay that price. I'll give my life. I'll serve my life as a, as a ransom. We sold out, and he, yet he takes us back. It's an incredible thing that Jesus does. That's service. And all this, all this humility and service pointed at, at us, displayed by Jesus, but pointed at us, his people. Isn't it very, very humbling? It's so important for us to see just how great of an example that God would come to earth and do this because what it does for us is it kind of humbles us it's it's an incredible to to think about how if you're at a place in life where you just feel undervalued you see no Jesus serves you and it places great value on your life on the flip side doesn't it for those who are very very proud it also kind of humbles you because you say if God does this wow I think he calls me to 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 serve as well. And so for those of you in the room who you struggle with humility, you struggle with serving other people, the answer is not fake it and just, just go, just fake it and just do it. The answer is get your eyes on God and look at what he's done. And when you see that, when you just really ponder that, meditate on that, and you read that, it just humbles you because you say, wow, God did that. And he calls me to it. And so the first question is, do you understand the greatness of the example of Jesus. You see how powerful that is. Get your eyes on Jesus. See what he's done. God in flesh. Incredible stuff. Question number two is this. Question number two is, has Jesus served you? Has Jesus served you? Now, he has done it. He, it, it is done. It is finished, he said. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. What I mean by has he served you is, has you re, have you received Jesus' service into your life. Have you, have you received that? Has he served you? He went through all kinds of trouble to step out of heaven to become a man and to serve uh, to the point of death. But has he really served you? Look at verses uh, 6 through 11 now. It says, And he came to Simon Peter and said to him, uh, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? So Jesus is going around the room. He's washing feet. He comes to Simon. And Jesus says, what am I, or what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, 
The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. So here's what's going on. Can you imagine Jesus is, is washing feet? The disciples are stunned by this. They've seen him do powerful, incredible miracles. He's down washing the feet of, of these men. And, and as he's doing it, he, he's going around the room and he gets to Peter. Peter's the one who always speaks quickly, doesn't think necessarily about what he, he says. And, and, and Jesus gets to Peter and, and Peter says, whoa, Jesus, you're not planning on washing my feet, are you? And Jesus responds something along the lines of, listen, it might not make a whole lot of sense to you right now, but I need to wash your feet. It's going to make sense. And then Peter says, you will never, never, Jesus, wash my feet. You're above this is what he's saying. Don't wash my feet. Don't touch my feet. Jesus, no. And then Jesus says, Peter, listen, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. You have no share with me if I don't wash you. To which uh, Peter responds, well, then wash all of me. Wash, wash all of me. Basically what Jesus is saying is, listen, unless I wash you, symbolically, unless I wash your sins away, you have no part with me. See, Peter was missing the point when he said, well, then just wash all of me. It wasn't about that. Peter uh, is saying, wash all of me. Jesus is saying, listen, we're separated our, our, your, your sin has, has separated you from me, and you need me to wash you. You need me to deal with your sin. And, and for all of us in the room tonight, I, I want you to hear that, listen, you do not want to bear the eternal consequence of your sin. You need Jesus to serve you. You need to say, yes, serve me. I receive that service into my life. Matthew twenty twenty eight again. Remember, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Give us life as a ransom. And so he served you to the point of death. And, and we need to receive that. We need to receive the fact that he would then serve by dying on a cross for our sin. Paying the penalty for our sin. And so don't reject that. Receive that. Some of you tonight need to say, yes, please wash me, Lord. Yes, I receive that service. And I want to implore you all in this room, if you've never said yes to Jesus tonight to say yes to Jesus. I receive you serving me and call out to him in prayer and say, I need it. Your sacrifice for me, I I need it because of my sin. And so I receive that. I trust in you for life. Wash me, Lord. And he will. He will. Has Jesus served you? And then the last thing I want to ask all of us tonight is this, is will you serve Jesus? Will you serve Jesus? It's easy to quickly say, Yes, of course I'll, I'll serve Jesus. But really, will you really live a life of service, devotion to Jesus? Look at verses 12 through 17. After talking with Peter, it says, And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, so he's dressing again, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, 
Blessed are you if you do them. If you do them. Will you do these things? Will you serve Jesus as he calls us to do here? Jesus here says, do you understand what I've done to you? As if to say, I know you were stunned by this, but do you get it? Is it sinking in? Pay close attention. What I've done is very important. He's saying, listen, you've called me teacher, and, and, and that's true. And you've called me Lord, and, and that's true. But he says, if, if I'm really your teacher, and, and you received my teachings, and if I'm really your Lord, that means I am uh, the king over your life, and you submit to my authority. He says, if, if that's true of you, you will wash one another's feet. You will serve other people. You will do things, Christians, that don't make sense to other people. The world says, don't serve your enemies. Retaliate against your enemies. The world says, just ignore them. If, if not retaliate, just don't talk to them. Get away from there. They're oppressing you. Jesus says, serve them. Jesus says, serve radically. When it doesn't make sense, serve and serve and serve some more. If you're my disciples, you will do what I have told you to do by my example. Serve, 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 serve others. You'll do that, that selfless, humble, dirty work that Jesus does and, and serve other people, getting eyes off of self and getting eyes first on him and then serving other people. And the greatest commandment, Matthew uh, chapter 22, what does Jesus say? The greatest commandment is, is the greatest commandment is that you would love the Lord your God with everything that you've got. The second is like, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Have you ever thought about that? We say, okay, love my neighbor. We, we like to forget that last piece. Love your neighbor as yourself. We really love ourselves if we think about how we go about our day-to-day. Jesus says, if you really, really call me teacher, if you really call me Lord, you will do what I have done. You will love me with everything, and you will serve other people. You will love other people as you love yourself. Serve and serve and serve some more. The sign of a person who has truly become a believer in Christ, a Christian, the sign of a person who has become a new creature, who has really been radically changed, is obedience to God. That is the sign. Will you obey what God has called you to do? That's a sign of of true salvation. And the sign here in obedience is you serve other people because that's what I've done. If you really are followers of me and I'm your teacher, and your Lord, you will do as I command. You will serve one another. You will serve one another. Listen, I was thinking about this this week with regards to Mother's Day. You know, you don't really have to teach a mother how to serve her kids. It's just innate, isn't it? Mothers just serve their kids. Nobody in this room am I speaking to in this moment, but however, I will say this, that I've seen some people get pregnant who I just thought unfit for motherhood. (laughs) This is not going to go well. And then they have their baby, and they just serve their baby and care for their baby. and just It's just innate in, in a mother. And likewise for a Christian, if you've truly become a Christian, innate in you is to love what Jesus loves. And that's other people. And, and to serve other people. And so will you serve him by serving what he loves other people? And when we live like this, we don't have to consume ourselves with self-exaltation, do we? We just do what he tells us to do. And then he says, at the proper time, I will exalt you. 
We don't go looking for exaltation. We don't go looking for credit for what we're doing. We do what we're called to do, and you'll find such joy in it, such delight in the Lord in it, because you know that you're doing what he's called you to do, because you see people being served. And then at the proper time, he exalts. Whether it be on this side of the grave or the next, it doesn't matter. But the exaltation will come. It will come. And so we do our part. We humbly, selflessly, sacrificially serve. And we trust him to do the exaltation. And so the three questions again. Do you see just the greatness of the example of Jesus? Get your eyes on that. And it changes you. It humbles you. It humbles you when you see what Jesus has done. And the next question. Have you been served by him? Have you received this service that he has given you by dying as a ransom for you on the cross and resurrecting a new life? Have you been served by that? And then the next one is, will you serve him? I mean, will you really serve him? Be humble and and selfless and, and serve other people. I pray that we can meditate on those things tonight. So I want to pray for us. Let's lift our our hearts up to the Lord in prayer. God, Lord, I pray that we would be impacted by your truths in Scripture tonight. God, I pray that we would see just how powerful an example it was that you went to your knees and you served people. Lord, may we be humbled by that. May we be encouraged by that. Help us to to be impacted by your example regularly. But Lord, may it not stop there that we just want to be ones who follow your example. But Lord, may we receive what you've done. That we might place faith in you. And have you wash us, have you serve us, Lord, to the point of death. May we say yes to what you've done on the cross, your death and your burial and then your resurrection. And receive that in faith, turning from sin and turning to you. And God, I pray that if there's anybody here tonight who has not received you serving them, that they would turn from sin and turn to you and place faith in you, trust in you and what you've done. And become a new creature and follow your, your teachings and, and, and let you be their Lord. And God, I pray for my Christian friends in this room tonight, Lord. God, I ask that you would just continue to work in our hearts that we would increasingly be a selfless, sacrificial, humble people who just want to serve because Jesus served. We want to care because you care. And Lord, may it not just stop at just felt needs, but Lord, may we serve people the most important thing that they can be served up, and that is the truth of the gospel, that you did what they can't. And so, Lord, may we be a people who serve. And God, would you just use your scriptures to continue to, to resonate in our hearts and to transform us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.